Okay, very excited to be joined here by Aaron Hamlin from the Center for Election Science. How are you doing, Aaron? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. We're here on, on Zoom, and this is our second time talking. We um, Your um, staff reached out to me a few months ago, I guess, and we had a kind of a meeting, and, and you guys have something really interesting concept. Everything is now talking about voting here in Alaska, but a voting concept called uh, approval voting. Yeah, that's right. I want to uh, talk to you about that, then I want to talk about our system. And kind of what your group is but this concept of approval voting which which in our recent you know 48 person june um special election special primary would have maybe been a little easier um for some people anyways talk about this approval voting and how it's different from you know, rank choice voting which we have now in alaska yeah so uh approval voting is just basically pick all you like um you normally are told to pick only one candidate or within the case of ranked choice voting, you're asked to rank them. With approval voting, you just pick all you like and just like bubbles or check boxes next to all the candidates like you normally see. And instead of picking one, you can do that. But if you want to pick more than that, you can do that too. So you just have a lot of flexibility within a very simple, um, simple ballot. So there's 48 people, let's say in the June 11th primary. Mm-hmm. And I like, let's say I like seven of them. I just approve, I just do a check or whatever by, by all seven. And then when all the ballots come in, every check gets tallied. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. And the the results are displayed as the, uh, uh, the number of tallies like per candidate, like say you liked, um, Sarah Palin and like the, the last election, um, you look at all the ballots that checked her off and then you look at that over the number of total ballots cast and you would be able to see the percentage of voters who approved of that candidate. Now, when this, and you got, you guys have, this has been implemented in a few uh, cities, right? Nothing like no statewide, but it's been, where, where's it been implemented at? I think you guys told me like uh, North Dakota or. Fargo, it- North Dakota, which is a population of about 125,000 people as well as St. Louis, Missouri, which is a population of about 300,000 people. So these are for like the local elections, like like city assembly or mayor? Correct. It's also on the ballot this November in Seattle, Washington, which is three quarters of a million people. So does this does this mean there's like a primary or no primary? Is it just kind of the one like how does this how does this function? Well, the great the, the great part about approval voting is that it's simplicity also makes it very versatile. Um, so for instance, like we look at the Alaska elections with ranked choice voting. Uh, they don't really have a very good multi-nomination process for that approach. So the first round, you still were just choosing one candidate. And so you run into all these issues. Um, with approval voting, it's very versatile. So for instance, in Fargo, they don't have any primaries there for their local elections. It's just a one and done type approach. And so there, they used approval voting and um, people picked all the candidates that they wanted and the candidate with the most votes was the winner. Like, and that was, it. there weren't multiple stages or, or anything. We, we have the same in Anchorage for our city, for our assembly elections, we have the same thing as one election. Um, for mayor, it's a jungle deal. And last time we had 2021, we had 15 candidates, six of which were actually like, you know, campaigning, four of which were kind of the main type candidates. And then it's a, it's a forced run. It's an automatic runoff if nobody gets 40, it's 45 plus 1%. Mm-hmm. 
hmm. but we had a, a runoff. We, there's always actually in 2018, there was no runoff because there was just basically two people and the incumbent guy got way over the 45%, but then it goes to the runoff and, and then it's kind of pick, you know, pick your, pick your flavor. Yeah. And the, the cool thing with approval voting is that when you look at the approval percentage, uh, that percentage tends to over 50% for the winner. It's not a guarantee. Say that again, you kind of broke up. Uh, so the, um, for the approval voting, you tend to have a high percentage winner uh, as well. So it's not guaranteed that more than half of the uh, voters will approve of an individual candidate, but it's quite likely in many elections. So how, how would you see this going in a statewide, you know, where parties, because like on local, most local jurisdictions and you know it's like it's nonpartisan for the most part so there's not a party that's why they can all run you know and for one you know 10 people or five people run for a seat and then it's nonpartisan but on the statewide level it's always you know this party kind of democratic party republican party um have a lot of in, impact on on these rates so how would you see that approval voting functioning in, in kind of a statewide situation where the parties still have you know a, a impact or, or a relevance so um you can do an open type primary again kind of like alaska has and still have party affiliation next to them um, or you could do it with closed primaries as well so the nice thing again about approval voting is like it just does not matter it's versatile like across the board so say you're doing open primaries but you're still um having folks putting their partisan affiliation uh same thing like you you just pick all the candidates that you want. Um, they can be from the same party, not the same party. Doesn't matter. Just pick all you like. And the, if you want to have, say, the top two or top four or top five, top however many, um, you can take those uh, candidates who got received the most votes um, and go on to the to the general, um, and then do approval voting again there if you want to have a separate general uh, runoff. And the the thing that makes that part different uh, than the Alaskan primary uh, uh, in general with RCV is that with RCV, because it's kind of complicated, you have like for the special election, you have 48 candidates, like, uh, and, and they were basically saying like, ah, like RCV doesn't work here. So we're just going to have you pick one candidate. Like you don't have those kinds of scenarios with approval voting. It's just so versatile. You can, in the same kind of system, you can say, okay, still, we're going to let you pick all you want. And then when you do that, you're actually going to um, not only uh, move along uh, the best candidates to the next round, but you're also going to get a meaningful amount of support for each of the candidates so uh, in, in that first round. So in like Fargo and St. Louis, was this something the voters did or the, was it something the, the, like the local government implemented? How, how, did, how did this get um, put in place? In Fargo and St. Louis, the voters uh, passed a ballot initiative uh, in both cases. So in Fargo, they passed we, we, a ballot were you guys involved with that or like support behind that? Yeah, yeah, we we helped to provide the initial support. We helped to provide funding, um, but the the group on the ground was the one that did uh, all the uh, all the actual work in terms of like making things happen. Um, so in Fargo, it passed by sixty three and a half percent, and then in um, St. Louis, it passed by sixty eight percent. See, we had some some for the statewide um, system here, the new rank choice. We had a ballot initiative in 2020 and it was supported by some big, you know, outside kind of groups. Um, there's that book, the politics industry. I don't know, Michael, Catherine Gell and Michael Porter. They were, they were the ones that kind of came up with this uh, open prime, you know, 
I think they were doing a top five. We ended up doing top four, but they were like people in that groups were kind of behind this and it was sold to the voter in the past. Barely. It was like 51% and yeah. sold the big, big, big part of the campaign was about this dark. They had the dark money was one element of it. Ending dark money um, for camp can, you know, candidates. And then there was the open primary and then there was a ranked choice and it was, but part of it was sold as like, Oh, it's going to be less partisan, more competition. We're going to, you know, attract more moderate people. And the interesting thing is for all our house races, there's only one out of 59 races. There's only one with more than four people. And that one, it's pretty obvious who's going to, who's going to go anyways. So the primary doesn't really have any impact for these 59 legislative races, but for the governor's race, house race and Senate race, the regular house race, there's 10 candidates for governor, 19 candidates for U.S. Senate, 22 candidates for U.S. House. But in all those races, like we know for the governor, we know, who's, you know, the incumbent, the former governor and this former Democratic legislator, they're going to be three spots. And then there's a kind of competition for the fourth spot between these two Republican tickets. The other five aren't doing anything. Murkowski's race, Murkowski, just Chewbacca, challenger, Republican Trump endorsed, Republican Party endorsed. This Democratic candidate has raised very little money and then kind of, OK, there's going to be somebody else. And then same with the. But the House is actually pretty clear. We pretty much know it's going to be Palin, Begich, these two Republicans, this Democrat, Mary Peltola, who's in the uh, special general ranked choice right now, and then this Tara Sweeney Republican who should have gone when the other guy dropped out. But the point is, like, we pretty much already know who it's going to be. So, mm-hmm. and his, historically in Alaska, I've been here since 04, but I've been following politics for several, you know, more than 10 years. This primary was kind of like an exciting time. Now, very partisan, granted, and I, hate, I hated some of that. And I ran before as an independent. And it was very challenging for independents. If you're going to get, you know, ballot uh, access with signatures, you miss the primary. You're very disadvantaged, depending on how kind of the part party people. And you could have a Republican district or a Democratic district and a good independent. But if there's a Democrat or Republican on the ballot, you're pretty much screwed because they're going to eat up 25, 35 percent. Um, but it just feels like right now here, there's really an election in a week, where it's week before the election, and there's just I don't know, kind of like no real energy. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the nice parts about having an open primary is you're opening it up to everyone. Um, But one of the challenges there too is like, if you're using a choose one system, um, you also are, not only do you risk uh, having, um, missing out on someone getting into the next round that should be there, but the other issue is that you get an artificially low amount of support for these candidates. So, so probably more than 27% of people approved of Sarah Palin um, in, in Alaska. Um, and so um, that number is probably artificially low, but also like the other ones as well. So like looking at like uh, Al Gross, like probably more than 12 and a half percent of people would be fine with, uh, with him and so on for the other candidates. And so the part of the idea here is that within the primary, you're also trying to get a sense of how um, supported these candidates are. And unfortunately, like we're using, by using this choose one method that RCD also sticks you with because it doesn't know how to do uh, this primary process. Um, by doing this choose one method, you're really not getting a good measurement of support. And that creates a kind of a haphazard feedback loop where folks like including media and other outlets are trying to get a feel for like, okay, well, how supported are these candidates? Well, if we're using this choose one method and we don't actually get a good feel for how supportive these candidates are, it doesn't help us with that conversation. It doesn't help us with 
being able to look at the merit of the ideas that these candidates bring to the table. So where, 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 how old is this approval voting concept? I mean, ranked choice voting, they use it in Australia and some other countries. It's kind of the concept's been around for a while. Um, obviously this Catherine Gell, Michael Porter, and some of these groups are pushing this. Uh, Maine passed it, I think, in 2018 or 16. Was it 16? The Maine passed it. So it's, it's people are kind of familiar with the term now. Um, I had never heard of the approval voting until you guys reached out to me. And um, I guess what's the history of that? Is this a newer concept or is this something that's been around for a while? It's been around for a bit. Uh, academically, it was introduced in the late 1970s. Uh, it's since been implemented in a lot of academic organizations, uh, which says something because um, in the voting method world, there are tons of different voting methods, many of them quite complex. And the fact that some uh, more academic organizations have chosen the simple one says something about its its merits, uh, because they would obviously be able to go with a more complex one if they felt that was uh, more suitable. Um, and so only recently has there been an organization, the Center for Election Science, uh, who went at this agnostically thinking about which voting method to uh, try to push forward um, only since we've been around and we've been able to um, uh, push this forward has approval voting actually starting to be uh, implemented. So, 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 so we got go ahead. So we got funding, uh, our initial funding at the very technically at the very beginning of 2018. Um, and within that time, we've already worked with the communities in two cities to get it implemented and working on a third in, in uh, Seattle before we pivot into states. So, so your group um, is smaller than some of these other groups, but you, I mean, how many people do you have? Like six people on staff. So it's like the rank choice. I mean, I don't, there's like the Center for Political Innovation, I think. There's a couple of different yeah. groups. And there's a, a fair vote is, is one, but there's also like half a dozen plus other um, open organizations. Open primaries as a group. But some of these groups are really moneyed up. I mean, huge. They, this last 2020 deal with this rank, I mean, they poured, I don't know, there's several million dollars that came into the state. Um, to, to empathize with them a little bit, like it, it is uh, uh, challenging like to, to have these funding uh, funded, like it takes a, a ton of money to get these on the, the ballot. Uh, oh yeah, and, also, and, and in the campaign to-, to Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so where's it gonna go with that? Um, I guess in Alaska right now with, the, the problem with the ranked choice, I think, and this is what I was kind of initially skeptical, it's really hard, even like I understand it. I think most people, when you think about it, it, it kind of, it makes sense when you really, really think about it, but it's really hard to explain to people. It's not intuitive. You know, you have to say, okay, the fourth person, the last place, their votes get recycled and okay, they go. And there's even video, a lot of videos and there's ways to, but it's just really not intuitive and it's really hard for the, average person, I mean, anybody to grasp, even really, I've talked to some really smart, educated people who are, you know, CPAs or lawyer, and they're just kind of like, right, like what? Because they don't follow the politics that close. So you try to, they ask about it and it just doesn't, it's not intuitive. So once you understand it, it kind of makes sense, but, but get, I mean, most people, you know, politics is, you know, a quick, quick, it's a short election or um, it's a sh short um, span to understand something, you know, you have a 30 second ad, a minute ad or something. Yeah, I think it goes kind of beyond that, too. So not only is it hard for a lot of folks to wrap their head around initially, but there are a lot of counterintuitive components of ranked choice voting uh, that speak to some of its limitations. So 
uh, first just kind of stepping back and uh, thinking like, okay, well, like by this time, a lot of folks in Alaska have heard of ranked choice voting. And I think a lot of times we, when we think about a voting method, we look at it, it's like, oh, okay, well, what are we, what kind of information are we providing? It's like, well, with ranked choice voting, we're providing rankings, um, or at least like as many rankings as we're allowed on the ballot. Um, but there's more going on there. There's actually an entire class of voting methods called ordinal systems that deal with ranking. Um, ranked choice voting, which is traditionally called instant runoff voting, but they kind of renamed it. Um, it's just like one of a class of voting methods that involve ranking. So you have that ranking information, you got to do something with that. So you get this kind of algorithm, this machinery in the background. And what's going on there uh, with ranked choice voting is it's saying like, okay, well, everybody ranked their, their candidates. We look on all the ballots and say like, does any uh, particular candidate have more than half of the first choice rankings? If yes, we have a winner. Um, if not, we look to the candidate who has the fewest first choice, um, eliminate that candidate, look to the candidate's like next choice preferences, now treat those next choice preferences as a first choice, and then ask the question again, does anyone have more than half of the first choice ballots? If yes, you have a winner. If not, you keep going through that with the remaining ballots. And I say remaining ballots because as you go through this process, a number of ballots get exhausted. That is like, there's no more rankings there because people- well, And this is what we're seeing with this, and this is kind of the, the, our first run at it, our, our kind of a guinea pig race, this, this special general for the house seat with three people. It should be four, but there was a timing issue of this guy dropped out and it's kind of a long story. But anyways, they ruled that the, the, the fifth place person didn't move up in the fourth place when the, I guess the third place guy dropped out, but that's how it should function. And it was because of the timing of the special election and the statute. But anyways, uh, part of the thing was like, oh, people, you know, and this, they don't go after each other. They, they have to work together because they have to get each other's votes. Well, Palin and Begich have been going after each other hard and a big narrative. I mean, so some people are saying rank the red, but what a lot of people are saying is like, you vote for Palin, you vote for me, don't vote for Nick or vote for Begich, don't vote for Sarah. And I think we've seen in some of these jurisdictions where they have ranked choice. I mean, this ranked choice, there's a huge, in some cases, like a 50% drop off or ballot exhaustion. Which, which means I think, I think that if that happens in the fourth place, you know, when they have the exhaustion, whoever does end up winning doesn't win with 50 plus 1%, right? They win with less than that because ballots get thrown out. That's right. Yeah. So it's important to, uh, to note the, um, when, when they're looking at these percentage hurdles, it's um, the number of uh, first choice ballots, either initial first choice or later first choice transferred uh, over the number of remaining ballots. So that denominator uh, that's going on there is a remaining balance, not the initial balance. So a lot of the thing, the uh, big claim that RCD folks like to advance is that you always get a majority. Well, first off, no voting method, no voting method can guarantee a majority that is more than 50% of like uh, top preferences uh, for, uh, for a candidate. Like, uh, a voting method cannot guarantee that when there are more than two candidates running. Yeah, um, I was going to say, it can with two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with, with two. But that's the, that's the only one it can guarantee that for. Any other case, not to say that it can't happen, but it can't guarantee, a voting method can't guarantee that. It happens that all the time with three, three people. You know, you have two Republicans or, I'm sorry, Republican, Democrat, Independent, um, or even in the primaries. Like we had, we've had some jammed up primaries with like four, you know, and the, Incumbent or somebody gets half, you know, more than half the vote. So it, it is possible, but but you're right. When it gets competitive, it gets very. That's when this plurality thing, and that's that's kind of the downside to the other, all the old system we had, 
because you have a lot of people who, who get elected with 35, 40, you know, 42, 43% of the vote because somebody else got 40. And then there was this third party guy who got, or, you know, person who got 10 or 15%. Yeah, that, that's right. And I think one of the nice things about approval voting is that it's just so easy to see the results. You're just adding up the, the, the votes, like you're seeing the number, the percentage of, of voters who approved of a particular candidate. And when you do that, um, you tend to see a much more accurate reflection of support. And also like that helps with, the, even if it doesn't change the winner, which changing the voting method doesn't always change the winner, at least gives them a much more accurate uh, amount of support. And if they would have won already, like it would show that if they had like 55, 60% support, like that's important. That's different. That's very different than someone winning with like 41 or 42%. What do you think about, you know, with, with since 2020 with Trump and, you know, the election stuff and this, you know, this whole nonsense about the fraud, um, which, you know, I'm not, I mean, there's always things can be improved, but, this kind of questioning of the elections. Um, we see this now in Alaska. I mean, a lot of people are saying this new system, it's a scam. You know, the, a lot of the conservatives mostly don't trust it. What do you think about, you know, like now you have a system, there's approval voting in a time when, when voting is already under question by so many people. And then you put in these new systems. It just, it's, it's almost like ripe for the people who are already questioning things to be like, wait a minute, what's this rank? What the hell, what approval rank, you know, that what's going on. It seems, you know, it's, it's ripe for like a conspiracy or somebody to think like, yeah, things are, you know, screwy. Look what's going on. We don't even understand it. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And I think that's one of the other components that really um, pushes for uh, approval voting when you just pick all you like, because it's not complex. It's not putting this information behind uh, some kind of black box. Um, it's using the same kind of ballot that you're used to. It's just saying that you can pick more than one candidate. Uh, but when you do have... Uh, a voting method that brings you a whole different type of ballot where you can't even rank all the candidates that you want. And then on top of that, it puts it behind this uh, black box for a lot of people where it has this complicated uh, calculation process um, where like some folks may be kind of surprised and like uh, of, of how their vote actually affects the results. Like that's the kind of stuff that kind of feeds this paranoia. Uh, and I think that's one of the advantages of this pick all you like approach, uh, because it's not taking it behind a black box. All it's saying is you pick all the candidates you like and the candidate with the most votes wins. Um, you're just adding up the votes uh, in a very simple, straightforward way. There's no um, ambiguity. It's also like very easy to audit as well. Um, so when you look at like uh, recounts and audits, it's much easier there. Um, another advantage with approval voting is that it has this property called uh, precinct summability. And all that means is that you can have totals from different uh, districts uh, and banks, those totals and add them up together, um, which helps uh, with just election mechanics. Whereas with ranked choice voting, you have to have all the ballot data together in one, in one location, and you can't truly start counting the ballots until all the ballots are in. So it, it just gives you all these it's way easier to understand and it helps with the administration for actually running the election. Well, and this is one of the things that, you know, I think for people like me that really follow this stuff and pay attention, I'm not going to be surprised, but I think the voters are going to be surprised with this new ranked choice system. You can't, like you, you just noted, you can't start, I guess you shouldn't start recycling or retabulating votes until all the ballots are in, which we're told, you know, they're going to provide the first round results of the special general next week. 
So there's Mary Peltola, Nick Baggett, Sarah Palin. Peltola is very likely, almost certainly going to get the most amount of first round votes because she's the only Democrat in the race. There's one Democrat, two Republicans. They're going to split. She's probably going to get 40 percent. And then Begich and Palin are going to split the rest, probably going to be 25, 35 or 28 or whatever it's going to be. And we're not going to know. And then whoever is third, whether it's Begich or Palin, now those votes are going to recycle to the other one. Most of them. I think it's going to be surely. There's been some talk that because everybody's so polarized, only their voters are only going to pick one of them. I think enough voters are going to pick a second place to get over the top to, to 40% if Peltola gets 40%. But, but, we're not going to know for weeks because they have to get all the overseas ballots in, all the absentee ballots. So for two weeks, people are going to see Mary Peltola's got 40. She's winning. She won or she won. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be even worse in the general because in Alaska, our general is November 8th. It's If that's two weeks or three weeks, whatever it's going to be. And we saw this last time. I mean, it took forever for us to figure out who won the presidential. I think we were the last state to, you know, go, go for Trump or to decide the vote. But our governor takes over in the first Monday in December. Now, if Dunleavy, the incumbent wins, that's kind of like, whatever, he's already there. And, you know, because the budget's due on December 15th. But, you know, we're not going to know for probably two, at least two weeks, which I think feeds more of this, like, wait a minute, I thought this person won. Now they won? Oh, you know, it's all, it's all, it's all scam. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it, it feeds into that. Um, whereas like say approval voting was being used and just pick all the candidates that you like, um, you can just start adding them up, uh, whenever you're ready, um, in terms of the, the votes, you don't have to wait for the last one to come in and you can see this tally moving along. And as the tally moves along, you don't have to think like, oh, well, like we're going to see this like huge, like 20, uh, point change between these candidates. Like that just does not happen with approval voting. Um, the, the same way when you're seeing these uh, tallies with our choose one method, like you see um, some of the support levels go up and down a little bit as the as the the votes come in, but you don't see anything like enormous going on there as you do with uh, ranked choice voting when you have all these uh, huge vote transfers. So approval voting, like as you're going along, and particularly like after election day, and you get like 85, 90, 95 percent of the um, the, the ballots uh, tallied, you, you have the result in front of you pretty much. Uh, and so you don't have to worry about like these kind of weird changes that are going to happen over weeks at a time. So how is this like in North Dakota and Fargo and St. Louis? I mean, how is this, how is this um, gone? How, how many, how many candidates were in that? Was it two or three or four? How many candidates were in these races and how did it, how did it um, functionally, how did it work out? Yeah. So in um, St. Louis, um, there were, uh, let me see how many candidates there were again. Um, there were six candidates in the, um, St. Louis race. For, um, actually I think four for the, for the recent mayoral uh, election. Oh, so it was, um, it, was, it was used for a mayoral, mayoral race. Yeah. In St. Louis and in Fargo, um, they used it for their mayoral race and, there they had seven seven candidates in their mayoral race. Was there? Um, I don't know if you know the details. Was there an incumbent? Was it like a an open race? Yeah, there was an incumbent in that election. Um, so in the St. Louis election, there was no incumbent, um, but in the Fargo election, there was the incumbent. In this case, uh, won by sixty four percent. So 
that had 64% approval. And it was kind of a, a landslide. The the person in second approval, just like the, the, the mayor was just doing a good job. Uh, and um, the electorate saw that relative to the other choices that the incumbent was going to do a good job. Um, but in St. Louis, mm-hmm. oh, go, go ahead. Um, in St. Louis, there was it was a little bit more complicated. So you had four candidates there, um, and it was a little bit uh, St. Louis being a bit more progressive. Uh, there was also making sure that um, like there wasn't like a, a bit among the progressives or conservatives, um, and there are the two more progressive candidates again. Like it just happens to be a more progressive city. Um, uh, went on to the uh, general election. Um, so St. Louis, as a clarification, they have a, a nonpartisan open primary using approval voting, and then the top two go on to the general um, so as, a, pick, as a runoff like a, there. Kind of an old school, like pick one for the, for the general. Right, and there are only two candidates there, so pick one is okay when you only have two candidates. Yeah, what if you had approval voting and you had two people and you approve both of them? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess you could do that, but it wouldn't make uh, maybe a whole lot of sense. But it, generally, in um, uh, in these top two, like they just have it as pick one. So you you mentioned Seattle. I mean, is there a plan to to, to do any of this in any states? Yeah, yeah. So with uh, Seattle, it'll be on the uh, ballot this November. Um, although there's been a bit of a, uh, I'll say, uh, intrigue in in, in Seattle. Um, so initially, um, approval voting was expected to be on the ballot this November. Uh, the group there, Seattle Approves, was able to get it on the ballot, got our signatures uh, gathered. Um, and then at the very last moment, um, uh, Fairvote Washington uh, lobbied the uh, city council to add right choice voting uh, to the ballot at the same time. Um, and so now that election is much more oh boy, so uh, you have, complicated. You have, you have two is it is it one or the other or is it two wait is it two are there two yeah. joint questions yeah there are actually two questions they, they made the ballot really complicated so there's have? a yes so only one can pass but the they have it as do you want reform like some kind of reform yes no and then they have another question where they ask do you want rank choice voting or approval voting and um regardless of what you said on the first one you have to also say something on the second one oh, um, so, 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 so if, if yes doesn't go does that stop it yeah that's right so yes yeah, has so, to go and then if the yes does go whoever gets whatever option gets more goes is the new one correct oh my yeah, god that's right Jesus. yeah yeah whereas before like with approval voting being on the ballot by itself it was expected to pass by about 70 percent um and then uh the fairbit washington group which i mean they, they've been out there for like over a decade you guys, you guys need to have like a rank choice approval voting face-off, you know, and has got to like well, get into the ring. Apparently that's what is going to happen uh, this November. Uh, we'll, we'll have our uh, face-off or dance-off and it'll, um, uh, we'll see what comes out. So, Well, it's an interesting, you know, concept. I think at least for me, it's, it's a little, it's more intuitive. I think for everybody, it's easier to explain, but you know, we, in Alaska, we have the ranked choice and we're going to see our first go at it next week and the special general for the house, for the U S house seat. And then we'll have it again in November. And it's really not going to matter um, for even, you know, like a third of the legislative race only has two people. Mm-hmm. And then several have three people. But in many of those cases, the third person's like a fringy 
kind of perch candidate. So I think the ring choice will, will you know, make an, have an impact on some legislative races and obviously the race for governor, U.S. Senate, Murkowski, that's the big one, and then the House race. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm still skeptical, or I guess not skeptical, but I'm still concerned that it's going to just be a lot of uncertainty with this big weight for them to kind of read, you know, and then that's assuming just everything goes, once they get the ballots, everything goes smooth with the, with the recycling or the recalculation. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll, um, you should come up for that. Come on up. You're, you're, yeah, it'll be, it'll be exciting. I'll, I'll definitely be watching intently. You're in Chicago, right? Yeah, I live in Chicago, yes. I'll, I'll not, too far, not too far away. My parents are from Waukegan, so I've been, grew up, grew up in New Mexico, but I spent a lot of time in Chicago area. I, I think it would be a, a long flight for me. This is nonstop, actually. Alaska Airlines. Shout out to Alaska Airlines. I'm pretty yeah, sure yeah. I've, I've flown that flight before, so it's like six hours. But anyways, uh, you know, thanks for talking. I think it's always good to, you know, talk about this stuff. And I think uh, B- B- Bill Maher, uh, big fan of Bill Maher, and a long time ago he said, uh, he said democracy is like sex. The, 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 the more people, the better. The more choices, the better. <laughs> Yeah, I'm uh, very much for uh, competitive elections. And I think I think that's one of the things you get with this pick all you like uh, approval voting method is that you actually get to see the amount of support that uh, folks have, not just like names that we're used to, but folks who bring new ideas. And that's something that is just completely invisible when you're using ranked choice voting or this choose one method. Well, again, Aaron Hamlin, I want to thank you for coming just for the folks listening. We're on Zoom here because you're in Chicago. But uh, th- thanks for explaining this system and um you know keep me updated keep me keep me posted on what's going on with that thing in seattle and um other other lo- locations or jurisdictions where they're, where they're using this and if it um expands i'll be interested, interested to hear about that absolutely and if anyone is uh interested in learning more you can go to electionscience.org uh to read more about our work uh, you can also donate to support the cause if you'd like to see approval voting implemented in your elections well thanks again aaron hamlin i really appreciate um you doing this and uh Keep in touch. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline.